This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 103 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben and Gaz is with me. We're back together mate. Yeah I feel like I'm in Pulp Fiction or Memento or something. Little bit of inside baseball. We have kind of already recorded the rest of the podcast uh, prior to this bit, and we sort of, we, I'm going to be editing it and, and all sorts into some sort of logical order. Uh, but Memento is actually not a bad comparison. Yeah, well, Memento only went, yeah, it went backwards. So it's yeah, yeah, Memento is probably better. Pulp Fiction was more all over the place. Yeah, uh, I might write on my arm which bit we've already recorded uh, and tattoo. <laughs> Okay. So I've not, I've not got any, uh, I've not got any self-made tattoos on my body yet. So if anyone's, if you've not seen Memento, by the way, what a brilliant film! Make sure you go and see it. There you go, film reviews on the Stacey West. <laughs> but no, how you doing, mate? Yes, not too bad at all, buddy. Not too bad at all. Buoyed by the cup win. Dare Absolutely. I say, looking forward to having a Saturday off. Um, you know, I know that I don't have to watch every game, but we're match day live. You know, kind of is been a busy time home and away so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to having a break like the players to recuperate and get over my moustache injury <laughs> I should probably say that I mean you know does he have a hat is he wearing glasses does he have a moustache <laughs> I'm surprised actually that we've recorded 55 minutes of podcast um, and that's the first time you've done it it does look bad uh, <laughs> moustache does not suit me even Fee keeps just looking at me sideways so I can just tell <laughs> she doesn't like it so. oh dear but, uh, no, I mean, nearly, it's, nearly a it's 400 quid though it's yeah, all for a good cause mate absolutely yeah nearly nearly there and, uh, the thing is I'm not I'm not even going to ask for sponsorship from people because it's not a time when people have got a lot of money so you know those that have been able to sponsor thank you very very much and those that haven't is you know a, absolutely no pressure at all i'm not one of these kind of charity pressure types who go you know look what i'm doing sponsor me because you know i don't mind when people do do that when the times are, are right but at the minute you know how could you t- ask people for sponsorship when you don't know if they can even afford to put 
food on their table for their kids you can't can you so yeah absolutely so it's um so uh right well um i'm fine by the way thanks um, how are you ben you're all right <laughs> it's all right i just know later in the podcast we find out all about how you are and i didn't want to foreshadow it here <laughs> i'm very tired I've... oh are you you should have said at the end of the podcast oh you do <laughs> yeah i've had i've had a solid two weeks now of essentially nothing but straight content creation and review writing and video capture and video editing and and all sorts it's uh, it's a fun time don't get me wrong i'm enjoying it but uh, it's yeah you know you can't complain when you you're sort of to an extent living a bit of the dream it's all good you do um, it all for free as well don't you I, I don't take any money from the site if that's what you mean yeah yeah so it's, it's um, crazy well you know i do it because i enjoy games and mm. the the dream was at one point to to make a living from doing stuff about video games and then i realized just how little people that write about video games get paid so i decided to stay in it and do it as a hobby mm-hmm. um just as a just as a quick aside i once had an offer to um uh, to go and write for a very well-known video game website um I, I applied for a job there i should say and i withdrew my offer when i found out that the amount of money that i would be earning as a writer at this particular website um would require me to move to london and they wouldn't provide anything in terms of housing uh, i would have had to move to london and they would have paid me sixteen thousand pounds a year wow in london couldn't do it no just couldn't do it so i understand that writing is badly paid i mean i I make I, I no secret I do make a little bit from the Stacey West, but by the time things like Y Scout and Streamyard and hosting and all that sort of stuff's taken, it's you know it's not enough really for a night out. And then the other writing I do, I'm I'm as low paid now as I've ever been in my professional career, but I don't need it as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm, but right, yeah. if you want to make kids, if you want to make money, um, either write something that sells like the Bible. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm sure there, there is money there. It's just very hard right. to get into. Just write a sequel to the Bible. Call it Bible yeah. Two Cruise Control. There you go. Jobs. <laughs> yeah. Bible Two. Jesus is back, and this time it's personal. <laughs> Jesus harder. No, that's yeah. wrong. That sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, that does sound wrong. Should we talk about football? <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about football because obviously we had a hell of a win at the weekend. Um, always nice to to stick one past uh, Mr. Cooper. Ah. Oh. Uh, that's where you get buzzed on QI. What? Soon as we beat Forest Green, Mark Cooper should be the big. And then you should get your Alan Davis look on, and everyone should go. It's not about Mark Cooper. No, it's not. But it's nice. It just feels nice looking at his sour face. Obviously, the fact that we've won and we won convincingly, and we're into the hat for the next round. That's the good thing. But it's just nice to see him look like he's going to cry. He loves it. He yeah. does. He does. I did, I did hear actually that uh, apparently the first thing that he said to one of the journalists there was that he pointed at the uh, the co-op stand and said, "I, you know, I unite that whole stand." It's like, yeah, you do, you prick. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I, I put it to one side that it was Cooper while I was watching it, um, because again, I didn't. When I said I didn't want to fall into that trap, yeah, dare I say that's so Danny Cowley. Do you yeah. know what I mean, it's so that rivalry. And I think 
we're getting to a point now where we can nearly look back on 2016-17 as a fond memory, not as the last manager. You know, I, I, yeah, we're moving yeah, yeah, away yeah. from the Cowley era and soon it will be, you know, you won't get people criticising Danny Cowley whenever something goes on because we're, we're going to be comparing to last season or we're going to be comparing where we're going. Um, so for me, it was an opportunity, I think, um, to play a lower league opposition in the cup, to see some fringe players in action. And, you know, by and large, I thought it was, um, you know, obviously when you win 6-2, it's hugely satisfying. I think if the game had finished 4-0, it would probably been about right. You know, I just think it was a mad 10 minutes at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, for me, I was, I was just delighted to put 17 grand in the bank to brush past lower league opposition um, and progress for mm. what it was worth. I mean, I think the the important thing for me was the amount of, uh, well, it sort of was mentioned on, uh, on the radio that, you know, you look at what is essentially now a chasm that's, you know, uh, come about between ourselves and Forest Green since we were, you know, those, that relatively bitter rivalry you know the the change in not only you know the the way that we play football but also the the demeanor of everything and it just seemed like you say that it was just that lower league opposition that we had to get past and it 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 was interesting to see that i think yeah i mean let's not forget that they dropped half of their first team Bowie adams um was dropped for was rested who's probably been their best player Jamil Matt was rested Jordan Moore Taylor came on he was rested so you know he did take the spine out of the team with one eye on Mansfield and I think one or two of the Forest Green fans were particularly unhappy with that because you know they had a week to go to Mansfield they 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 had plenty of time although to be fair I think they played in the Czech trade or the EFL trophy last night and got beat in the last minute mm. um so there is that you're also looking at a team that's coming to the end of the cycle you know i don't think forest green will get promoted this year um they they may do i might be wrong but if they don't that's his five-year contract up from 2016-17 to now so they'll be heading in a different direction i don't doubt the right manager going in there actually would have them doing a lot better because they do seemingly have an awful lot of funds you know they talked about how this was a completely different forest green team and a completely different lincoln team to when we met two years ago the difference is we have got a different manager we have progressed we have evolved yeah for me if you're going to get promoted out of league two you build year on year adding not completely overhauling year on year because essentially you're starting yeah. again year yeah, on yeah. year and now i've made it about mark Cooper so I get the QI and the Alan, the Alan Davis smirk as well it is hard not to of course it's hard not to but um, you know at times our attacking football blew them away and mm. I think that the, the best debate to have is which goal did you think was the best absolutely I I, I think in terms of a sh- you know in sheer spectacle it's got to be George Grant's first but having said that Brennan Johnson's touch before he went on and scored was just magnificent. You know, the, the way that he took that ball under control and then, you know, got to the edge of the box and just slotted it home. It was, that is a championship footballer for me. You know, it was a, a really, really lovely bit of play that led to, to Brennan's goal. Um, 
Obviously, well, Anthony Scully's stuff. I was going to say, on. for me, Anthony Scully's probably, you've mentioned too, and I personally think when you, I don't think I've ever seen a goal at Lincoln City that's involved two back heels in the build-up. <laughs> that's very true. Um, so, and, and you know, is Brennan Johnson better than Tyler Walker? Christ, if I'd have known you were going to put me on the spot like this. Um, it's difficult. It's, it, I think it's too early to say, but in terms of what we've seen, he's definitely got the potential to be. I think he's more skillful. Yeah, I'd go with that. I think he carries the ball better. I don't think he's as much of a poacher. They're different positions, so it is hard to compare them. Um, I think he will have a similar impact for us, or he has had a similar impact for us, not in scoring the goals. But if you take the penalties that he's won, the goals that he's scored, and any assists that he's got, you mm-hmm. know, he's contributed probably... If you counted a penalty as an assist, and I know that's quite loose, but if you counted a penalty win as an assist, I think he's got more goals and assists in the short spell he's been with us than Tyler Walker had in a similar time frame. And bear in mind, we kicked off in August, not September, so we give Tyler an extra month on that. Um, yeah. I'd love to see them both in the side. <laughs> to be oh, honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's no disrespect to Anthony Scully, who obviously started up top. I don't know whether you could play them both because I, for me, Brennan's best position is through the middle. Mm. I'd love to see him through the middle. And I think if we were playing the 4 4 1 1 with Brennan tucking in behind Tom Hopper or whoever, then you could probably play Tyler and Brennan together. Um, so there we go. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I suppose it's hard to talk too much about Forest Green in depth because, you know, it's going to be Friday by the time people listen to this. Yeah. And um, they already know how well we've done and we've already got the draw for the next round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, you say, you you know, you said about uh, people still blaming Danny Cowley for things. He did draw us away at Plymouth. Yeah. Do you know what? The QI buzzer's going again. Yay, there we go. There we go. This is a good game. I like this game. <laughs> um, yeah, do you know, again, I, I didn't know he was doing the draw. It wasn't on social media, was it? Nobody mentioned it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I we're watching a series at the minute, and I looked at my watch, and it's five past seven, so we'll, uh, we'll put it on. And aside from, did you watch the draw? Yes. Did you watch the interviews beforehand? Yeah, that was weird. Why did Simon Weaver look like he was riding a horse? <laughs> I know we called him horse, but from the way that he was stood, my missy, I looked at it and she went, is he sat on a stool? And then it went in short and he wasn't. And he's like, what on earth is going on? He looks like he's literally stood bow legged as if he's like trying to curl one out while he stood up. <laughs> Utterly bizarre. Do you think it was because he, you know, he might have been uh, might have been too tall for Mark Chapman? I think actually it was the shadow on his jeans was an optical illusion because then the kid that scored for one of the non-league teams came on as well mm. um, and he looked like it. He looked like he was stood there. So um, Right, yeah, okay. But yeah, I, I turned the draw on and I, I mean, I, I'd gone into it a little bit too deep, I think, on Monday with, you know, highlighting teams I wouldn't mind playing away, teams I think would be on television, teams I think that the non-league teams which would only beat other non-league teams or think would be easier than the non-league teams would beat football league teams and I'd gone into all of that but all I'd done I'd left about six teams with we do not want to play them uh, mm. and Plymouth was one of them so Plymouth came out and I just I just kind of did that you know that 
scene in the office with David Brent's right waiting for his blind date, and then that girl walks in, and <laughs> he just turns to on scarf. Yeah, and the he just turns to the camera and goes, "Oh, for f-. And <laughs> I, I just did that. I just turned to Theo and oh, for f-. I'm just pressed the button. I couldn't tell you any of the ties that have come after that. Yeah, and then I kind of sat back and I thought, you know what? I did the same when we got Brighton at home, when we got Ipswich, when we got. Yeah, when we got all of those teams, I did the same thing. And now, looking back, you wouldn't change it. It's a really tough tie. People were saying it was a good tie because we've already beat Plymouth. That was a COVID-ridden Plymouth, remember, who had lost three or four first-team players in the run-up to the game. Going to their place is going to be very, very difficult indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not the kindest draw. Um, I think the fact that Michael said beforehand, you know, well, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get a home draw means that we don't have to, um, you know, we won't have to travel all that much and, you know, kind of have a, have a day away from traveling. And then unfortunately, we see, I think we've drawn the team that is the furthest away from us. Yeah, I'd say uh, so. I think, uh, I think Bob's put up on Facebook that uh, Amsterdam looked closer than Plymouth. Yeah. Which, you know, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, I'd sooner play Ajax as well, to be honest, but there we go. Um, I wonder if it is closer than Plymouth. I think it is as the crow flies. Let's have a quick look. Uh, you can pad, Ben, Phil. Uh, so Lincoln, Plymouth, 296.7 miles. Lincoln right. to Amsterdam. Uh, I like is... the fact that you say pad and then you continue talking so that you're doing the padding for me. That's great. It... <laughs> yeah. No worries. Uh, Lincoln to Amsterdam in miles doesn't actually come up which is quite handy oh there you go 350 so it's not oh. uh, yeah that's a shame Although, it looked it on a map i'll say that yeah but. it does look it on a map doesn't it also ghent looks closer on a map but it's it's quite a bit further as well yeah you never go to Ghent. i would imagine calais is probably closer to lincoln yeah I'd to 248 so. miles so you could get to france uh before you get to plymouth which mm. and i'd rather as well actually yeah yeah so okay um right so yeah i think um as you say it's a tough draw it's not the one that we would have picked um but unfortunately (sighs) it's the one we've been given so i think financially um, it's a blow because you win 17 grand in the first round then you've probably got to spend a good portion of that on taking the team down for an overnight stay and if you don't go down for an overnight stay you don't win the game you've got to stay overnight at Plymouth haven't you yeah. you can't you know if I go down to Plymouth because we used to holiday at Bigbury we'd travel through the night um but you know <laughs> you're not going to go Harry is it all right if we pick you up at 11 o'clock at night you get a little <laughs> bit of kip on the coach <laughs> we'll uh we'll stop at um Hopwood services on the way down the M5 and everyone can have a, a dirty d- dirty Mackie D's breakfast it'll be mint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds about right i mean it could be uh it could be like um was was it the other week you were telling me a story was it gary taylor fletcher yeah yeah that's just what comes to my mind as well yeah yeah just i don't think that. we could get away with that no i got anthony scully coming on the bus with his burger king going i've heard this story about taylor fletcher the other <laughs> i've got this covered boss honestly drop hopper not a problem they've got this covered amazing but, uh, <sighs> yeah i mean as i say it's not the best um it's not the best draw for us and it's going to be a tough game. Um, but I mean, on the plus side, we've got a decent little break at the minute, haven't we? 
Yeah, it's good. Obviously, Man City under-21s is coming up on Tuesday. I think if I was Michael, I'd be putting your Hayden cans and, and players like that in a first-team place, give them a shot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the fewer players that we risk against Man City, the better. I know it's worth 10 grand. We're already through to the next round of that competition. Um, you know, there isn't any pressure. So, you know, senior players will have a nice break going into Swindon and Accrington. Accrington will be, you know... It, sh- it should it's a tough game yeah. but on paper you'd fancy four points from those two games and you know i think if the aim some of the players seem to be talking the aim being top six any lincoln fan if we finish in the top 10 would go i'll take that all day long and tomorrow as well do you know what i mean absolutely yeah so you know if you go two away games and you even bring you bring three points back from those two away games you're happy bring four points back you're laughing Mm-hmm. And and it go, takes us into a good run, you know, critical critical point up till Christmas. I think the uh, we we had a bad run going into December last season, uh, and we had a, an enforced break before Burton. And I think we went on and, and obviously we beat Burton, we beat Tranmere, we beat Peterborough, we beat Ipswich. Um, Michael flourishes on the training ground. Yes, he's a coach first and foremost. He's proven to be a very good manager, but he's a great respected coach. The more time he has with the players to get his ideas into them, the better. The more time they have to watch videos of the likes of Accrington and Swindon, the better. You know, in an ideal world, us and Man City under 21s would just say, ah, let's not bother, we're in lockdown, call it nil-nil, we'll both go through, because we're both through anyway. I know you can't do that. You know, it's not 1982 Germany versus Austria, is it? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it, it is a nice break. Hopefully we can get some of those players back because the injury uh, situation is concerning if yeah, i'm honest it's not great is it um you know even taking your monsters the players that have got knocks like your monsters out of it who should be back you look at the longer terms the mortons you know we need to get the bridge cuts back um obviously max melbourne just kind of coming back but joe walsh is a big miss yeah we just need to get some of those players fit and perhaps just you know wrap up in cotton wool some of the others i mean we wouldn't want to lose in my opinion james jones who was excellent when he came on against forest green mm-hmm. um, there's some positions you could almost soak it up you know yeah. if we were to lose a winger you could almost soak it up at the minute but we're down to the bare bones we don't want to lose anybody else so no there we go right well we've got um we have a special guest on the podcast this week so uh, let's lead into that Okay, and we are now delighted to be joined on the Stacey West podcast uh, by Connor Casement. How are we doing, mate? Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Are you doing well? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Good Thank stuff. you for having me. Not a problem, mate. So um, you've got uh, something of a, an exciting project going on at the minute. Um, That's correct. And uh, yeah, just uh, we're here to spread the word a little bit and, uh, and for you to tell us all about it. Yeah, so um, essentially what we wanted to talk about tonight, to spread a bit of word, is the new campaign that 617 Squadron have started up. Uh, it's called Shed Light on the Plight of English Football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main point or the main aim of the campaign is to uh, put pressure on the government to supply a financial package um, to EFL clubs um, aside from any restrictions that the Premier League have tried to impose. So it's more of a fair deal that won't compromise any of the soul of the EFL, if you like. Um, So, yeah, it's it's primarily focused upon 
trying to apply the pressure on, on the government um, and also trying to get other fans from across the country to get on board with it. Um, so obviously we can affect it quite locally because we've got the means of, and contacts to be able to do that. But we want the campaign to spread across across the country if possible to try and get other clubs working in unison in their local areas united under the one banner which is shed light on the plight of English football I think uh, sorry I'll chime in I mean I, I think it's great I think um, the only the only thing that fans have got is a voice and the only voices that tend that will be listened to are multiple voices at once Connor, how worried how worried are you uh, about the future of Lincoln City Football Club at the minute uh, to be honest with you and I was thinking about this just before I came on, that the best way I can put it is if fans do not act now, we are not going to have football clubs or a lot of football clubs. Football in this country will change forever within the next year, if not sooner. By the end of this season, I can see numerous clubs going out of existence. And this isn't just me baselessly pulling this out of thin air. This is coming from our club. This is coming from every club across the country. You only have to look at... BBC articles and stuff. There's a different chairman in there every day. Look on Twitter, they'll say the same. I think Peterborough's um, chairman said a couple of bits, as he usually does or whatever. But, yeah, very worried. And and one thing I will say is I don't think a lot of fans across this country, whether it's apathy, I don't know. I don't know they're grasping the seriousness of the situation at the minute. No, I mean, I agree with you. I don't, I think some fan websites are still packed full of player transfer information and stuff Absolutely, like that. Yeah. And, and nobody's really, nobody's really driving anything. Um, so, I mean, back to kind of your campaign, obviously, how you've kind of kicked it off already. Can you, can you give us a hint of what you've already done and, and what your future um, direction yeah. is going to be? Yeah, so uh, the first action we did was uh, on the Portsmouth game at home um, on these common overlooking the hill, um, which essentially for us, so the the actual action itself was uh, a a banner with the campaign's name on um, and a number of uh, pyros to light it up, to give the effect, if you like, shed light on the plight of English football uh, overlooking the stadium. Uh, obviously, we can't be in there, so we have to think about what we would do. But I think that for us was more just like a a symbolic thing. Do you know what I mean? Like a like a something physical that people can see to kickstart the campaign. Um, a, a future wise, we're just trying to build up the support at the minute so that we've got the network there, so we can start discussing with other clubs across the country uh, how to um, go around doing some um, actions together at the same time, if you like. So if there's another Tuesday night fixture, let's say, for example, the first action we did, not just Lincoln doing that, but let's say Aldershot, Oxford, uh, all in unison in their respective areas, doing the same thing on the same night for a bigger impact, if you like. I mean, it's um, in in terms of you know what you said there about the, the potentially losing uh, a number of clubs over the past uh, over the, the coming year or so. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen um, over the past year we've seen you know Berry and more recently with Macclesfield going out Absolutely. of business for for you know unrelated financial <clears throat> issues. Yeah. Do you think it's almost like it seems like it's some kind of weird perfect storm for clubs going out of business uh, well, at the minute? You've got you know. Said, you, come. You, I was going to say, you're going to have, like, you've got these financial mismanagement issues, you know, obviously one that's, or one or two that are going on in the championship at the minute with, you know, with Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, they've obviously had respective punishments dished out there. But when you consider that you're going to have these 
clubs that are going to have that level of of problem, shall we say, at a board level. <clears throat> and then you look at clubs like, you know, and we're not just saying this to, you know, to blow smoke, but you look at what the likes of Clive are doing um, at Lincoln and, you know, particularly places like Accrington, you know, they're well-run clubs. They might not be the biggest clubs in the world, but they're well-run clubs. And they Absolutely. are now starting to get to the point where they're going, hang on, something's, <clears throat> something's wrong here. We need we need help. Well, I think um, that's, that, that's sort of key for me as well, because although we might be fine for another year or so, a lot of clubs aren't going to be. I think that thing what you said about the perfect storm as well, even before COVID and this whole situation arose, I've been saying to a lot of people in, uh, in the group and a lot of group members have sort of... Um, took the same view that this decade is going to see a lot of football clubs in the EFL go out of existence because mm. it's been a ticking time bomb for so long and all it's taken is this scenario to ramp it up completely and now you're looking at not just one or two every couple of years, you're looking at potentially League 1 and 2, maybe even having to, the only amount of clubs that would be left, they'd have to merge, do you understand what I'm saying? Like The, yeah. the amount and and the the time it's going to go on, like the, how quick it's going to happen, has been severely ramped up. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about I just don't think fans understand how close we are to English football in this country going to the wall completely. Mm. I mean, it's difficult to it's difficult to have that conversation, isn't it? Because obviously, a lot of you know um, a lot of finance, uh, a lot of financial information within football is kept very close to the chest. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, some clubs, um, you know, Lincoln City in particular, are very transparent when it comes to a lot of things. But there will obviously be moments where they've yeah. got to say we can't disclose that information, and it's. I think you know you mentioned earlier about uh, Darren McAntony over at Peterborough. Obviously, they've had. Yeah they've had what you'd consider a successful uh, season financially, particularly last year, you know, they obviously sold a couple yeah, of players, for, of players. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, you know, big money. But when, when Darren McAntony pipes up and says something like that, I don't think he's there going, by the way, I want a slice of this rescue money pie because, you know, no. it's more money to come in. I think he's genuinely concerned about not only Peterborough, but clubs on the whole, like Club, you say. Yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's, it, it, this is, this is why I think, you know, the reason we started this campaign, because if you look at it locally, we could do this under the 617 banner anyway. Mm. We wouldn't need a need for the campaign. But we said, if you look at it logistically, we've got enough to get something off the ground here that we can spread across the country. And it needs to be across the country. It has to be clubs working in unison with each other at every single level, whether that's fan groups, whether that's just your, your, any, your normal sort of person who just goes for the 90 minutes and not to say that anybody's a worse fan than anybody else, but all the levels need to come together now and start working in unison. Mm. You see, what I quite like there is while Connor's talking, I can hear him banging on the banging desk. Banging on the desk. <laughs> To assert his point, and no, I, I, we we can kind of. I'm not so not taking the piss because it's that sort mm. of passion that people need, yeah. and I think that the conversations that are being had are fantastic, and there are a lot of bodies in and around football who need to come together. There's the Save Our Clubs campaign, which Lincoln are backing. I think it's being driven by Charlie Methven at Sunderland, who, you know, to a degree were an offender in the financial problems when they first dropped out and were overspending, and you know, only now we're kind of pleading poverty. But it's like we said there, it's the perfect storm. And I think what worries me, and I'm interested to get Connor's views on this, is that it's also the perfect storm for vultures. Because when things start dying off, vultures mm. circle and pick at the bones in terms of, 
you know, the government and the Premier League are arguing. They both, they all seem to want something back. We talked off air that there's an investment um, in the AFL from a company called TPG, who who want 51% voting rights, giving them control over future and commercial structural decisions. How tough is it going to be for football to actually resist all of that? Well, this is this is the problem, and this is why we've tried to get it on government lines because you saw when. When the Premier League were in talks with the EFL to give some sort of package, and then you had the newsbreaker Project Big Picture. Now, when you looked at Project Big Picture, yeah, there were some very good things in there. The key thing that stood out for me and everybody else that I spoke to was the voting rights and the power the big big six or whatever they refer to them as nowadays, the power the big six would then have going forwards in football. And if they've offered a package that the EFL have took, it doesn't just stop on that way you've repaid that it doesn't just stop there because then you've got the big clubs that have got the voting rights and then they can start to push through whatever they like and it's uh, not to go too much off topic but uh, we've always boycotted the um, checker trade where we've always said that we think it is a prelude towards b teams and stuff like that coming into the league now from my opinion i think you're starting to see that that is really a very real threat with things like project big picture you know it's uh, and yeah, <laughs> I see. I'll, I'll kind of chime in there because, as you know, I'm I'm not against the Czech trade trophy. No, no, whilst, I, whilst I see the threat, I don't think that that threat was ever real until you yeah. add in the the situation now. And yeah. I agree with you on Project Big Picture. And there's a lot of points that people don't understand about Project Big Picture. The two hundred and fifty million pound was not a gift; it was a loan exactly. based on future money that we would have had anyway. It was a payday loan. Yeah. They were also offering to give money any percentage of future revenue back. But Project Big Picture gave Premier League clubs the right to sell, I think it was either six or eight fixtures themselves through their own streaming revenues. Yeah. So you would lose six games from every team. Who are Brighton going to pick to stream? They're not going to stream their games against Watford. Well, obviously no. not Watford because they're not in the Premier League. <laughs> so the revenue would absolutely, would completely plunge. Also, there was no limit on the number of loan players that could go out to clubs. And here's where I, I think Connor's views on B teams and my own views on the dangers align. Because I don't think that the Premier League could get B teams past the Football League. I don't think that they could no, do it. It wouldn't no. take the vote. But if they're allowed to loan 15 <clears throat> players out and there would be no loan cap whatsoever, they're effectively creating mini B teams. And what yeah. a surprise, the people that are backing it, Andy Pilly at Fleetwood, who's now kind of screaming for a handout, was behind yeah. Project Big Picture. Yeah. Dale Vince at F Forest Green. They're the people that don't understand, in my opinion, the soul of football as well. Absolutely so, not. You know, I think for a degree, you boys in the 617 may well feel vindicated that your concerns, you saw early warning signs of something, whereas I think also the catalyst has been, you know, the the destruction of football over the last sort of six months or so. Yeah, yeah. in a sense, I wouldn't say vindicated as such, but it's... it's... Uh, and I wouldn't even, it's not like Mystic Meg or anything like that, do you know what I mean? It's not <laughs> like we're saying, going, well, I told you so. But, but yeah, uh, like you said, you, your your views align with mine to a certain extent from that. And I think we can both agree there that one way or another, they are going to push this through if we accept some sort of financial package or if we allow them to is, is where I think we can all sort of agree on that that aspect of it. I think the big concern is that the government are more or less saying there isn't going to be a bailout, whereas they're happy to give 1.57 billion <clears throat> to arts and culture, uh, which I, which really grates me. 30% will be spent, 70% out, out spent outside London, which means 
30% of 1.57 billion will be spent on a city that homes approximately 11% of the population. It's London centric. But my worry is that the government won't bail us out. The Premier League will. And then it depends on how the Premier League actually go about that. And I think your point is, you've said, obviously, you would like a government bailout. Yeah. But would you accept a Premier League bailout uh, if it's so, no strings attached? Yeah. So we did have this conversation as well, because obviously we're still in early days with the campaign. So if it was to go down that route, we would probably switch the campaign to more keeping uh, the Premier League held to account that there are no strings attached. Uh, yeah. and, and keeping pressure on it from that aspect. Um, but I think just briefly, just to go back where we mentioned about the government, and I know this sort of goes outside of football as well, but how many U-turns have they done this year? And yeah. all of them have mounted from public pressure, in, in particular the Marcus Rashford campaign, and you saw the country unite behind that. There is so many football fans in this country and such a, a potential for them all to unite in their local areas to get their voice heard where they're lobbying local MPs and it's constant and it's pushing to the point where I'm utterly convinced if you applied enough pressure the government would hand us out they would give us some sort of bailout regardless of how tough they're trying to look now but they're saying they won't obviously they have to for otherwise every industry is going to be you know jumping at the bit aren't they but i genuinely think if you apply enough pressure then there's no reason they won't i mean i think you've, you've got a you've got a point there i mean obviously you know political views among football fans differ wildly absolutely you know, I'm, I'm you know i'm had many discussions with Lincoln City fans that have, you know, sometimes gotten a little bit heated over political yeah. views. But when it comes to a, a a cause that's close to, you know, close to your heart, I think you mm. you can unite on that, and you can, you know, to to a certain extent, you can put your differences aside and say, look, we need yeah. to we need to apply this pressure, even if it is, you know, your team, if you like, as as yeah. much as I, as much as I hate, you know assigning you know uh, sporting analogies to, to politics it's, mm. it's we need to make sure that the government and um particularly our local mp um you know our local mps rather will be able to help out in this plight and i, I noticed gary that um you put that post up uh, the other day of the the meeting was it the um meeting of department of sports and culture was it where they sort of had the uh, a lot of mps from across the country um talking about you know the plight of their local football clubs and unfortunately you know the the one that i think we all really need to hear from there was just a blank line um, <laughs> that was actually the parliamentary debate that came about the one, from yeah. the um petition funnily enough on, on one of my screens at the moment i've actually got the uh, election of Carl mccartney as the chairman of the all-party parliamentary group um <laughs> basically uh, who, who who should be in a position uh, to help us out and um yeah conspicuous by his silence I, I don't i try not to go too far down the political route uh, mainly because you know, it, it broke on vitals some some news broke on lincoln vitals the other day about carl mccartney which may or may not have been true but the point is he's still in a position where he can help us yeah and an mp once he's the mp whether he's tory or labor he's our mp or she's absolutely. our MP. yeah, yeah. So absolutely yeah you have to kind of not back them I, I will i won't vote tory but the point is he's the only guy that can potentially help us yeah what's yeah. really annoying was was it the under secretary for the department of culture and media is a lincoln lad who was educated at robert patterson school and uh, i did read was, something about this yeah yeah he was denying the bailout but it's positive that there are mps that are behind us um it's it's just the power grab isn't it that, that's where the fear really lies it's the power mm. grab yeah, I think the problem is that, um, you know, you've got uh, when you have this this issue with football, 
it it doesn't just stop at football you know if 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 lincoln were to go under for example you know worst case scenario you think of what that would do for you know when we can go back to ground you think of what it could do what it would do sorry to you know retailers on the day you know local economy absolutely yeah yeah you know retail in town and you know what it would then do to to kids in the town that you know play football um to sorry in the city that play football you know there's that there's everything around it it's not just that's what we put on our on our original statement about this is not just a football club playing in competitive sport these are vital pieces of our community and yeah. uh, the only thing i can roughly compare it to is having met a few people that were involved in the miners strikes when the miners when the mines went down they felt that they lost something and i feel that that happening to football in this country would have exactly the same effect it, yeah. they are they are fundamental parts of our of every single small city and town and large city and town across this country everywhere has a football club and if you don't have that it's gonna have a big impact yeah i mean it's, it's like if you get you know if you get a chip in your windscreen all of a sudden everything starts just splinter off Absolutely. from it because you yeah. start to you know that chip is the football club going under and then everything that just comes off that it just splinters away and it just breaks it eventually and you know, you know it's a good shatter, analogy so. ben that's unusual for you it's a good analogy i'm proud of that one can gary my that, analogies are we, always superb can You're we just get that clipped and i can put it on a gif <laughs> good analogy. um no do you know what you're quite right and look i mean i don't want to betray trust of supporters board meetings but there was one that i was in where um we we saw figures that had been from a survey that had been conducted about the bump in revenue percentage wise uh, on the high street and we're not just talking about pubs um we're talking about places to eat we talk about actual physical shops because you know the family comes into lincoln and yeah. without being sexist mum and daughter go off shopping or maybe yeah. son and daughter go off shopping i don't know uh, this day and age um and that's not just lincoln i mean we're we're a little bit different to other clubs because we are phenomenally supported yeah. um in the local area which has only come about you know kind of will remember ben will both of us will remember when you know there was 2000 there i mean certainly in the dark days of the conference when there was seven or eight six one seven and and you yeah. probably outnumbered everybody else in the stacy west stand <laughs> yeah um but you're quite right about communities and the other point i wanted to pick up on is it's even the players as well because the story of simeon akinola i don't know if you guys have seen it today um obviously you remember simeon meant to sign for us came three days and then it all collapsed and then he went to barnet and got injured finally got his football league chance at south end He's gone to Southend because they've tapped into the EFL emergency loan. They are now under embargo. Their squad number has been reduced and they can't actually register him. So he's stuck there training in limbo. It's one example, but the staff at football clubs as well, people are directly employed at football clubs. We're not just talking here about a sports team. It's like Connor says, we're talking about a hub of an entire community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like you say connor i think that you know there are a number of fans that are sort of willfully ignorant is probably the you know the harshest term that you can think of but there's like there's that sort of blinkers you know they've got the blinkers on and saying oh everything will be fine you know next season i'll be able to go back and everything will be fine you know once we've got the vaccine once we can all get back into grounds mm. we'll be fine and it's like i don't think people realize that you know particularly outside of football that not every club is is a premier league club not every club has millions in the bank and i think um the the thing that really smarts about this whole situation is you look back to when um i've forgotten his name now but when the richard scudamore when scudamore resigned um when he when he retired (laughs) every single club chipped in what was it 250 grand 
I think it was something like that for a retirement uh, present for him. So it's like, if they can do that for a retirement present for one man, why can't they dip into the pockets and support the pyramid that's under them? Because the reason it's called a pyramid is because, you know, if, if the foundations are there to support those at the top and ultimately if that starts to crumble away, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. Another analogy, but that one quite as good. Um, (laughs) It's literally called a pyramid, Gary. (laughs) So you you kind of, you kind of segue into something that I wanted to chat to Connor about as well before, um, before we wrap up. And that was, letting fans back into grounds because you know the current situation has been exasperated by the fact that fans couldn't go into grounds as well i mean in terms of your campaign is is that something that you may sort of morph into further Um, down the line i'm glad you've mentioned it because originally we we started talking about this months ago um and then i think when the news of the second lockdown was announced we said we need to do something and we need to do it quick because we're not going to have a chance to uh, anytime soon if we don't get this one done um and yeah originally the point behind the campaign was going to be obviously the financial package that we've directed the government um but we're also going to give them a choice to revert back to allow limited am- am- amounts of fans back into the stadium as was originally proposed remember when brighton had the i don't know however many it was one or two thousand in on the test events and we were just building up weren't we ready to uh, ready to sort of uh, october time i think it was where they yeah. were gonna where they were gonna allow three and a half thousand four thousand or so back into stadiums so yeah it was aimed at that originally but obviously given the wider inclinations of stuff that's going on we just thought it best at the moment to stick it for purely as a financial package and then yes as and when the time is right completely we'll move towards pushing pushing uh, for fans back in stadiums whether that's in some capacity or in full capacity um but yeah it's definitely on the agenda sounds very good well um i mean and, and how what's feedback been i mean obviously it's been launched for probably just over a week or just under a week now Have you, yeah has it kind of had good feedback and engagement yeah I'm struggling a little bit on the uh on the likes from the, um on the on the actual pages but i've seen it posted on uh, league one banter and stuff like that and there's there's people on there even city fans that you know normally are very how do you say it's against stuff that we do um and even they're arguing the point to other people that have said maybe why are you doing it like this what are you doing to bring attention to this what like why are you doing to bring attention to the problem right now i think on the whole everybody who has seen it is pretty much on board that yeah this is a good thing and something needs to be done uh, it's just about people like us with our group trying to push push it constantly and get the local area involved people like yourself gary with your contacts or whatever pushing it out to people that you know with podcasts or your media contacts or anything like that and the club have said we do speak to the club the club has said they might help with uh, media contacts need be uh it's just like like i said earlier getting every aspect of all clubs across the country working in unison together and pushing this big time sound i mean I, i'm behind it 100 i'm behind at the moment everything i can be i feel crass when i'm writing stories about anything that's not yeah. about the financial future because you know I, I, it's like and i'll try and do a ben analogy it's like trying to write <laughs> about how you're going to decorate the bathroom when your entire house is on fire isn't it yeah it's, it's absolutely pointless i, I think i mean i think that it's commendable. quite as good guys well actually my <laughs> boss uh my boss in the, i used that exact same one on a live video yesterday my boss in the philippines said it made him lol uh, which <laughs> i think is youth speak for laughing out loud so ben ward can get up um no do you know what i mean 
it's different voices as well. And I think that's the point. You know, it's if the 617 and, and, and your group are saying and doing everything you can and we're doing and saying everything we can. And let's say over in Skegness, Steve O'Dare is, you know, yeah. completely kind of a million miles removed probably from the 617. Yeah. Um, but again, a respectable voice. And it's just about making sure the more voices that join in, the louder we get. And, I, you know, it doesn't, you know, as long as we're saying the right things and as long as we're fighting, eventually something's going to give. Something yeah, has to 100%. give. I believe we've got until early in 2021 from conversations I've overheard um, before we get into, you know, seriously water going over the top of our heads. And, and I then it's too late. And then, and it's, then it's too late. late. And there's 20 clubs who will go before us. I was chatting to a Scunny fan yesterday and she said that she doesn't think they'll see out December. And, you know, there would be some fans that will be gay, will go good, but fuck the Scunny, yeah, fuck the Grimsby. Yeah. I don't, because you want them. You What's want that to exist, exactly, to exactly. For, for the sake of putting rivalries aside, to, to so that rivalry can still exist. It's not, it doesn't even matter at the minute. If you look at the bigger picture, it's not even relevant. I love the rivalry as much as anybody else, but it's not going to be there unless imagine Liverpool and United doing this together a big statement to the country that they can come together and put their differences aside for this because this is bigger. They want that rivalry to still exist. Yes, they still hate each other, but they need a platform to hate each other, yeah. and the platform's going to go. <laughs> if we don't all act soon, yeah, I'm worried say... for your desk, Connor. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I'm only doing it with my finger. I get I get, I get quite handsy when I'm when I'm like giving like, a big speech or something. Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to stand near you when you're giving a big speech. Then I know you get <laughs> yeah. handsy with me. <laughs> I try not to. I mean, just before you know, just before we um, just before we, we let Connor go, um, I was going to say that the the thing is, you know, when you you look at clubs that. Uh, are in the Premier League and that they're, they're you know having these issues and they're saying we you know we it almost feels like they're saying we don't really care all that much about the Football League and particularly some of the fans are saying those sorts of things in in that higher level and that higher tier you've just got to look at people that have come through the divisions and you know ended up in the Premier League and made huge stars out of themselves yeah. I mean you know the obvious example of that is is somebody like Jamie Vardy who spent so much time in the lower leagues and in the non-league got signed by Leicester and then became a Premier League champion. It's yeah. th- it's those kinds of stories. I mean, sure, they're not as prevalent as they once were, but you have that kind of, you know, this player has forged themselves at that lower league and then they've come through and they've made something of themselves. And, and they are, that, you know... I think it, that's something quite unique to English football as well. Yeah, I don't absolutely. Know that's just me being willfully ignorant of, of other, other countries, but I, I genuinely don't hear of anything like that anywhere else in the world and that's the beauty of of our footballing system isn't it It, on its day it is the best in the world so to lose it (laughs) to lose it would well i can't can't even put it into words no No. i can't either but to something i would like you to put into words is kind of a a last question if it's okay yeah is just kind of explain a little bit about exactly what it is you're missing from the matchday experience what is it that makes the 617 unique and that drives you to be finger banging the desk and to be to go in on these movements you know what what is it what, what ah, kind of sorry before you answer you? that i just genuinely oh. never thought i'd hear the word finger banging on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> it must be counting to somebody from horncastle because it takes me back to my youth that you tell me it's pretty apt for horncastle yeah. <laughs> um well uh, uh repeat the question gary I forgot. <laughs> what, what drives me um, 
about why you love the 617. What is it that, that you guys do that just I has driven I just, you? So I, missed, I missed that out that more than anything. You know, it's like somewhere to release it all, isn't it? If you've had if you've had a rubbish week at work and you, you've got the football coming up, so it's something to look forward to and you meet all the lads in the pub early doors and it's a day out and something different happens all the time and it's something to talk about and then you have one the next week. It's just, like I said, it's just the community feel about it. And I, the best way I can describe it, Gary, you know me from when I was very young when I used to stand uh, in a little DJ bit with my dad where you were or whatever. I was never interested in football. I wasn't interested whatsoever. I was there. It was all right, but it didn't make me want to go back. I, I had a couple of years away from it, probably when I was like between 10 and 13. And I remember coming back. Um, there was a load of us from Banavallum. It was the kids for a quid day against Macclesfield in the relegation season or the season before that. Uh, and we went and there was eight or nine of us. And it's just that. It's that being able to, where else can you get 30, 40, 50 of you together in a pub, all there for the same reason, all there for one, one thing. It's just that, that whole thing, just the community aspect and feeling like you're doing something that matters on that day. Whether you've got a crappy job in the week and you feel like you don't really affect anything in your life, football gives you that. Football absolutely gives you that. It gives you a purpose. I, I just miss it. I just genuinely miss it. Yeah, you're giving me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you, Connor, so much for coming on, mate. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I hope all goes well. And obviously, Ben and I will keep working with you and I'll keep working with you and the rest of the lads to push the message forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, boys. Pleasure. No worries. Cheerio. So, yeah, there we go. Big thank you to, uh, to Connor for coming on. Obviously, um, it kind of... You said in it, you know, you said when we were talking to him that, uh, you know, your views sort of align on on a few things now. Um, and so, yeah, well, uh, it obviously, you know, kind of aligns with some of your, your pieces on the site as well, Gaz, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I've always been dubious of the B team um, argument, certainly through, through through purely through the the EFL trophy. I mean, yeah, I don't like us having to play under 21 teams. I didn't go to a, the game that we played against Wolves under 21s, for instance. Uh, I only went to the Manchester United one because it was Michael Appleton's first game in charge. So, um, you know, I, I find it mildly insulting that we are classed in the same banner, but at the same time, the financial implications are positive. And, you know, we're talking here about football being bailed out. But if if we win, uh, for instance, we beat Man City and then two other games in, in the EFL trophy and we can earn sort of 30, 40 grand on the back of that. So there's, de- there's decent-ish money there. Yeah, it's the crumbs from the table. But I think what worries me is... Uh, and quite likely, as uh, quite uh, as, as we've really just discussed, is kind of the the power struggle um, that's going on above us, and also the person that's representing us. I mean, Rick Parry is um, obviously he's the kind of the the EFL figurehead, mm. and we had a deal. There was a deal put on the table from the Premier League, which was rejected. I think it was 50 million. It may have been no strings. I might be wrong, but that was for League One and League Two. And apparently League One and League Two clubs declined that offer because they wanted to show solidarity with the championship. 
I'll be honest, that baffles me a little bit because the championship, I don't think, show a lot of solidarity to us. And you've got clubs in there who have been spending two, three, four million pounds on players. Mm. Um, you know, I feel for the Wickhams of this world, but I don't feel the slightest bit of sorrow for the QPRs or or the Middlesbroughs or the Norwiches who have got parachute payments, not one bit. And I don't think that clubs like that should be classed with the Morecams. You know, the sort of money that QPR spent on one player in the summer would keep three League Two clubs probably tidied over till the end of the season. Mm. So for then to say we're going to look after you all is, you know, it's a little bit like taking the guy that lives in a council flat, the guy that lives in a semi-detached house and the guy that lives in the four bedroom mansion and saying all of you should be paying uh, the same tax or you should be drawing the same benefits. You know what I mean? It's, it's utter ludicrous. Mm. Uh, and, and as per Project Big Picture, we spoke about it before, but um, uh, Damien Green, who's a member of the DCMS, uh, described it as a sugar-coated cyanide pill. And Rick Parry was questioned over his role in it. And let's not forget, Project Big Picture was passed by EFL clubs, not by Lincoln City, 100% not by Lincoln City. And believe me, I've been in meeting with Clive where uh, Clive, he'll be open on Twitter. He is not happy with mm. Project Big Picture at all. He would talk slash rant about it if he had the opportunity for hours and hours and he makes so many very very good points to the point where we were talking about those loan players if we were Lincoln City and we loaned 11 Nottingham Forest players so we're effectively then Nottingham Forest's B team and that's how B teams would be surreptitiously developed into the football league uh, is, is, is by the loan system not by nothing else mm. and then if we then sacked our manager because we weren't doing well Project Big Picture would allow the, the clubs to then pull their loan players out of the team immediately. So you sack your manager, you'd lose your squad. And then there's the case that because of the, the various cuts, and the, uh, I think there was a worry that Project Big Picture encouraged clubs to slash their academies because there was no requirement for football league clubs to have academies. So struggling football league clubs kill their academies. So where do they then turn for young players? They turn mm. to the Premier League. Yeah. Manchester City's under 21 team and then again you become Manchester City's B team in everything but name and I think that's the the definition that's the the difference rather for me is I don't ever think we would have Manchester City B in League Two don't think it would happen no matter what people scaremonger say I don't think that would ever happen I think there would be too much opposition but yeah. I'm not saying that you wouldn't get Forest Green Rovers loaning 11 players from Manchester United I mean it probably wouldn't have you know they're, they're just two teams that have come into my mind because I don't want to tar any other football league club with the lack of morals that I believe <laughs> those who back those who backed Project Big Picture this isn't because they're their other ethos it's because they openly backed Project Big Picture mm. yeah and, and shame on Portsmouth for doing so because what they're basically saying is that they would be happy to what loan Southampton's under 21s there would be bloodshed because Portsmouth, I think, eventually hoped that they would be the ones doing the loaning and then they could turn to their local smaller clubs. And, yeah, it's all very, very murky. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, and Rick Parry, what really annoys me, Rick Parry said we wanted, this is in the DCMS grilling, he said we wanted redistribution of revenue to make our club sustainable. Big picture, tick the boxes. It was a first-class plan. And that's sickening because it wasn't a first-class plan. And Absolutely anybody not. knows, everybody knows it wasn't a first-class plan. And then other things that were discussed, overnight blanket ban on gambling. So I know, you know, your house is on fire. You've got one room that you can sit in that's got a fireproof door. Um, but that fireproof door was supplied by a gambling site. So let's take it away from you. <laughs> that, that That's basically, again, you know, and 
the thing is, this is why there are threats from all angles, because it is the government that wanted to take away gambling revenue. Now, whether you're for or against it at this moment in time is irrelevant. Mm. Right. You can happily talk about taking fire doors out when your house isn't on fire. Or you can talk about who bought the fire doors when your house isn't on fire. When it's burning down, don't take the fucking doors out. Mm. So don't take away betting right now. You've got to wait till football's in a better position. Talking about taking it away now is ridiculous. But that's the government doing that. The same government that are refusing to have any sort of bailout for elite football. And elite football is Man United versus Liverpool and Morecambe versus Stevenage. That's elite football. Ludicrous. You then got the Premier League who are posturing and trying to power grab and desperately want to see what they can get out of the situation while everybody's dying. They spent £1.2 billion in the transfer window. They were only allowed to come back on the proviso that they help out. Help hasn't been forthcoming. And now you've got 8, 10, 15 clubs unable to pay their wage bill. Football came back in what, June, July? You're talking four months down the line already. That's ridiculous. And then you've got these companies, these uh, six championship clubs are backing investment in the EFL from private equity firms. Private equity firms don't back you for nothing. It's not like Clive putting money into Lincoln City, which is effectively a gift. Private mm. equity firms want their pound of silver back or their pound of flesh back. They're worse than Shylock from The Merchant of Venice, and they're going to keep doing it. And these ones, this this TPG, who won 51% voting rights on the Football League. Okay, so we only, you know, we only want a fifth of your commercial revenue, but we want 51% voting rights. So we only want a fifth of what you make, but we want to say how you can make it, when you can make it, where you can make it, and who you can make it with. Jump off so the cliff. I mean, it, you know, I think I, I said to you that I didn't know about that plan before we started recording today, and it's having heard about it, it's just blown my mind. It's yeah. awful. Well, TPG's proposition is to give £270 million to the clubs to help cope with financial challenges caused by COVID-19. So the clubs instantly, it's like you're back to the burning house and all those people hanging out their flats wanting help. We'll give every single one of you a ladder. But then they also want to put £30 million set aside to centralised commercial operation to manage all future broadcast sponsorship and streaming negotiations. So there's your 270 million. Now we're going to build ourselves a little house at the side of it, which is going to basically monitor everything you do, every change you want to make. That's down to us now. Every broadcast deal, we'll negotiate it. Every sponsorship deal, we'll negotiate it. All the time taking a fifth off the top. Now, I don't doubt that there will be some investment in the EFL. But that sort of setup is not the way that we should go. But what do you know? Six championship clubs are driving for something along those lines. Again, they don't speak for us. They don't speak for Lincoln City. They don't speak for Morecambe and Stevenage. It just, the whole thing is just like a, a nasty murky pond and we're drowning in the middle of it. And I don't, I don't even believe that all League One and League Two clubs are blameless. And, you know, okay, there's some that are financially viable. Your Salford Cities and your Fleetwoods are financially viable only because of the money that gets pumped in from their owners. They wouldn't be otherwise. Mm. And they are part of the problem because they have driven other clubs to spending over and above their means. You've then got the clubs who have happily spent over and above their means and kind of, um, I mean, it's historic now, but then have gone into administration like your Darlingtons and your Rushton and Diamonds who have kind of overspent and again inflated wages. Nobody's talking about agents in all of this situation. Football generates a huge amount of money. Where does a lot of it go? Back out of the game. But no one's looking at that at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Football is should be easy to self-govern. It should be like the Principality of Monaco. Right? Monaco built a again at Genuinely, bear with me. So Monaco <laughs> built a casino in 1869 or whatever it was in what was a dirty, nasty, murky seaside town, which probably reminds me a bit of the EFL. 
but the casino is like the the tv deal is like the revenue coming in but what monaco did rather than siphoning the money off into all these different pockets stop taxing its residents because the casino was making so much money and now it's one of the most affluent affluent places on earth the efl makes enough money to be the new monaco football makes enough money to be the new monaco probably not the efl football makes enough money to be the new monaco where does it all go goes out the back door goes into people's pockets unscrupulous owners who want to bleed money dry bleed clubs dry i don't know whether this is true or not so it's completely baseless but the scunthorpe united fan yesterday that i was talking to in the post office she's the postmistress there was saying that she believes the club will go to the wall in December. She points the finger at the owner and said as soon as he knew his businesses were going to start suffering, he started selling off the crown jewels in January and has refused to put any money in. And we've got a woeful football team now, she said, and we'll probably go down if we survive till the end of the year. That chairman could have been our chairman. Mm. He was 24 hours away from doing a deal with Lincoln. He actually agreed a deal with Lincoln. And as far as I'm aware, almost on a handshake with Bob Dorian on the Friday, and on the Saturday, went to watch Scunthorpe, was lured in by them because they were League One and we were National League. Near misses. Then we ended up with Clive. What might have been and what, what is. And I personally think that we are, and that it, if people can call me rose-tinted or whatever, I believe we're a shining light for other football clubs mm. because I believe we run as sustainable as we can be. And had it not been for the board putting money in over the summer, we would still have gone to the wall. I believe we would be one uh, much, much further down the line, much closer to the precipice than we are at the moment mm. with other clubs. You know, we've got 40% reduction in wage bill and we're still fighting at the top end of League One because of the on-the-field management. Yeah, Blow smoke up Liam's arse, but Liam, the commercial team, the man, the general day-to-day management of the football club is very good. They engage with people. You know, They, they try and make every fan feel like they're special. And I just think... Um, you know, what would it be like if you were at a football club that was a closed shop that didn't give you the information? It's no secret. On the supporters board meeting the other day, we had Kira Maguire from The Price of Football. How many other football clubs would invite a football economist onto their supporters board meeting and then lay bare the financial situation of that football club in front of a stranger? Mm. Wouldn't do it. Most clubs don't do it for fans. I mean, it's like I said, you know, that the, the transparency that's come from the football club so far has been... Nothing short of superb. Obviously, there will be moments when they say we can't discuss that. And I think because of the fact that they're so transparent in every other area, when they say we can't discuss that, I think our fans respect that. You know, that they will look at it and go, OK, <laughs> fine. You know, you don't you don't then probe and press and go, oh, well, you're trying to keep secrets from us. You go, no, look at our accounts. The accounts were so detailed and so well laid out that you could make sense of them. You know, I'm not an accountant, but I looked at the accounts. I thought, oh, yeah, that that seems reasonable. Like it's it's the way that it's put together and it's the way that it's the way that the club is run. Like you say, day to day, by all accounts, just seems to be really well done. And it's it's the fact that we've got well, well run clubs like ourselves. And like I said, you know, you've got Accrington who are you know, tiny club in, in a massive pond, but they do incredibly well because of the way that they're run. And it's it's disheartening to see that, like you say, you, you have these clubs that survive because they get money pumped into them by a benefactor. That, that they are now sort of going, oh, hang on, we might be able to get some money out of this. You know, we'll, we'll probably be all right, but let's just, you know, see what goes on. It's, it's, it's awful. And, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to end the podcast on a, you know, on a sour note. But it's, it's true. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, football club owners will put money in. Ours has. I think the other worry is the, the the club owners that have been putting money in who might now see that there's danger and that you know they the walked away. Mm. There's there's you know the threats are multiple and the lifelines are becoming less obvious day by day. But mm. you know, one thing I would say is that the same clangs of doom were being heard in, in April and May where there was clubs that weren't going to be able to pay their bills in a month's time. And here we are, and no club, bar Macclesfield, which was rogue owner, as was Berry, no club has yet gone to the wall. And the government have said that no club will be allowed to go to the wall for this reason. So, you know, it, it's almost like they're waiting till somebody's actually on fire before they start pulling people out. I don't know. Um, yeah. My gut feeling is that there will be some form of resolution, uh, yeah. whether that's satisfactory or not. I don't know whether that's, you know, a reworking of Project Big Picture, whether it's government intervention. Um, but pressure is growing, mm. you know, and the more MPs that get letters on their desk and the, the more uh, that this is, is, is mentioned in the news and, uh, and is pushed and driven, the better. I do find it quite sad that before I came on, I searched DCMS meeting and I searched parliamentary debate. And there's very, very few news stories in the national media on on this subject, um, which I found desperately sad. So it's you know, it's all about the individual's voice. And and thank you. I mean, there's a lot of Stacey West listeners and certainly readers who have been emailing me with you know, what they've written to their MP, the replies that they've had back. So again, thank you for that. Um, massively appreciated. You know, I'm sure anything that we can do to help keep this in the news and help keep it in people's minds, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, just on that on that note, I think it's, it's very, you know, it's very apparent from my social media feed. I'm not the biggest fan of Mr. McCartney, but like you said in, you know, when we were talking to Connor, he is the person that can help out the club and ultimately it's his duty to do what's best for the his um you know the, the his constituents he, he it is his duty to make sure that his constituents feel like they're being listened to um whether or not we can you know people can get him involved or you know to to change his mind or whether he'll just come down to central bank and try and put flyers out again uh-huh. when he needs re-electing i don't know but he is the best person at the moment that that can help us get our voice heard in, in there so i would encourage everybody to write you know to 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 carl um and see if we can get something done because something needs to be done um at this point and without having up to the minute bank statements from the club being published we don't know how bad the situation is at, at lincoln city but you know like you i think we've from things that we've heard it, it's it's getting nearly squeaky bum time um but what i would say is if you don't live in carl's constituency do write to your mp not just carl yes absolutely yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's fair and um, and sorry so. but i've inadvertently just raised my hand in the skype call that we're using to record this uh, i didn't mean to so <laughs> <laughs> okay well um so i think that's probably that's probably a decent spot to wrap it up um obviously you know it's a little bit of a a little bit of a different ending to what we normally do um but you know make sure that you can do what you can to uh to help out the the the, the cause that connor's put together and that you know the, the movement if you like uh, to get that sorted out because it's kind of gone from everybody expecting fans to come back relatively soon 
to all of a sudden we're definitely not going to be allowed back in potentially for the rest of the season and things are looking dour in other areas of society as well so um do what we can and uh, hopefully you know we can start to change some people's mind as a you know as a community of football fans so uh, anything that you need to uh, to get out before we disappear guys yeah i've just got to get out definitely potentially not allowed back in it's a bit Shut like up. Def- definitely, maybe. Um, no, I, I I've not I... slept in two weeks. <laughs> I think that we should uh, we should do any other business. Go away, write to your MP, do it now. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, all right, cool. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, I, I will just plug uh, NGB again. You know, go to Next Gen Base because there's been all sorts of content, particularly on the YouTube channel. Just go and look at it. Even if you're not that interested in video games, show it to someone that is because... Like I said, I've not slept for so long and I just need to sleep. But we will see you next week. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.